it, you're, you're going through your demons too you know it's all we got to write about we got to create art for what keeps us up at night mm. and you know it's that's I want to write about a brother and sister that are both half Egyptian mm-hmm. and the the sister wants to go join this revolution mm-hmm. and the brother who's super Americanized is trying to, wants to talk her out of it yo when this play gets put up people who listen to this episode are going to be like yo I heard him talk about that stop him here stop him here New York, I know you Yeah. Every morning that I wake up, I think about my ambition. Humans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of La Mescla. My name is Adrian Burke, the creator and host of this show. As always, I'm so thankful to have you here. Uh, shout out to everybody who listens to this show week to week. Uh, anybody who's written a review. Uh, I challenge uh, all of my friends and family who listen to this show who are like, oh, I love the show. I want to support. I challenge you to write a review on iTunes because that shit I've learned is actually mad important. So uh, if you so feel like writing a little blurb about how you feel about the show on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, And let's get into our guest. Our guest this week is a good, good friend of mine, someone I admire a lot. It is the wonderful Alex Riyad. Uh, Alex, uh, who I affectionately refer to as Big Julie, uh, is an Egyptian-American playwright uh, based out of Manhattan by way of the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Alex on quite a few projects. Uh, most notably coming up is the world premiere of his new play, The Wild Parrots of Campbell, going up at the Cherry Lane Theater in December. Uh, which So look out for announcements on that that I'm sure I'll spam on our channel. Uh, Alex and I had a really, really great conversation, uh, a lot of stuff about his upbringing, about uh, whether or not to write about your cultural heritage, what's the line between uh, exploring your cultural heritage and exploiting it, uh, possibly for your own gain. Uh, and we talked about how Alex is a newly minted Juilliard playwriting fellow, uh, this this dude is going places, uh, and I I hesitate to say that because I know how fucking big Alex's head gets. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. Alex and I are good friends. I like to I like to razz on him. Uh, if you see him on the street, make sure to call him Big Julie. <laughs> okay, I'm letting this get out of hand. Uh, I love Alex, and this was a great conversation uh, that we had in his apartment. Uh, and I, I, I got nothing else. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Please remember to like, rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. So please enjoy this conversation with Big Julie Riyadh. <laughs> invite me to do this since i met you really you, for were, real? you mentioned this podcast when we were first doing that reading and everything oh i'm God. like oh that sounds like really cool good for me and i'm like I, I was like I, I was like I, I qualify i qualify for that podcast yeah, word like, I, hey listen it, t- it took a while but here we are yeah yeah now we're now we're hello here. alex hello, hello adrian thank you for being here i'm so happy to be here <laughs> This is so weird. This is so funny. Well, it's because we hang out like all the time now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we live very close to each other. We're recording this in your apartment. Yes, we are recording (laughs) in my apartment. Uh, So let's. uh, So uh, hello, Mr. Alex Big Julie Riyad. Which we will say it out of context. We'll address that that later. Uh, So welcome to La Mezcla. Let's start uh, the way I start with uh, everybody else. Uh, Just tell us. 
where your parents are from, uh, what the mix is, sure, and uh, where you grew up. Let's yeah. Just start there. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, um, well, my uh, uh, so I'm I'm my mom's uh, a, a white lady from Long Island. Uh, okay, and we're on Long Island. We're on Long Island, uh, Massapequa, okay. Long Island. Okay, uh, which is my mother tells me is where the Baldwins are from and Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh, whoa! So, okay, yeah, she's yeah, in yeah. good company. I have no idea where Massapequa is, uh, and uh, I, c- I couldn't tell you either. And whenever I meet someone from Long Island, I'm always like, "Where are you from, Long Island?" And I always want them to say Massapequa, but they never do. Uh, and, <laughs> And then they're like, they say it like I would know where they live, and I have no idea where they live. Yeah, but you grew up in California, right? Yes. Well, because my father, he's Egyptian. Right. And so uh, when my parents left Egypt, uh, my uh, mother didn't want to subject my father to living in Chicago, where she had been living at the time. Interesting. Because she Wait, so they met in Egypt? Yeah, they met in Egypt. So How my, did that happen? Yeah, so my, uh, my, my parents were at some sort of convention in Cairo. My mother worked, was like... Some marketing executive out of Chicago, I think, did, like, maps for, like, the Middle East for, Whoa. like, textbooks or something. What? Yeah. That's crazy. That's, yeah, I know. My mom's smart lady. She got an MBA from Northwestern. You know, she was also, like, uh, you know, she's re- she was really active at the time and still is in, like, the equal rights movement and, uh, you know, uh, trying to pass the Equal Rights Amendment for women and all that wow, in Chicago. Awesome. Like, so how did they, rallies. So how did oh, they sorry, actually yeah. meet? Yeah. <laughs> so she was... Uh, working, uh, she had some sort of convention, and my dad was working at that convention. He was uh, had his own business selling uh, safes and locks for okay. banks and prisons. There's a, a London-based company wow. called Chubb. Wow, uh, yeah. an Egyptian safe sales person. Yes, yeah, that sounds father- like a character in a heist <laughs> movie. I'm just saying. I'm just gonna say. Well, whenever I would watch heist movies with my dad when I was a little kid, he'd always be like, "That's not how you crack a safe. That's uh, that that well, that would never work." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Dad, watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I uh, know they were at some sort of convention in Cairo, and they they met at that convention. I, my father was a pretty charming guy, uh, and got my mother's number, I guess. Or That's that, beautiful. I think people got each other's numbers back in the seventies or eighties. Seventies would be seventies. Yeah, they probably did. <laughs> they probably did. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think it's, really, I, it's a really Alex. weird thing thinking about my my father like trying to get my my mother's number, uh, and then. Uh, so, how, do you have siblings? I do, but not from my parents. Gotcha. My my dad got re, remarried, and I have two kid sisters that are. But uh, you're the only one from my mother. From your mother, gotcha. exactly. Yeah, but they were married for a long time. Like, so you know they they. They met at that convention. They went on a date. My my father was like an hour and a half late for said date. Uh, my mother was trying to sneak out of the Yikes. back of the hotel. Yikes. And then she ran into my dad and she had to do the date. Wow. And I feel like the gear shift came out of his car on this date as well. I don't think my dad was doing very well on this date. Sounds uh, like an insane story. Yeah, yeah. And then... Uh, so, you were, so you were born in Long Island. No, I was not. I was born in California. You were born my in California. My mom was born in Long Island. Okay. My dad was born in Cairo. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, I don't know. I always say white lady from Long Island. That's like technically where she's from. But like she, her family history is interesting because like she's like uh, uh, both like old colonial families. Uh, so yeah. like I always feel really weird when people ask me like, what are you? Because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone always asks you, what are you? And Which I can you, always do. You get that a lot. Yeah, I get that yeah. a lot. Well, I'm, I'm racially ambiguous. So, uh, 
I, uh, I yeah, get you that. could be you could be many things. Anything, man. You could be like, many things. You know, in California, you get like Mexican a lot. In our neighborhood, I'm assuming you Dominican. get Dominican. Like if, yeah. I, if I say nothing, everyone's speaking to me in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had taken Spanish in high school. I was like, I'm so stupid. I like took French because I thought it would be good with girls or something. And I really liked Brie. classic Riyadh move. <laughs> classic Riyadh move. I never worked with girls, but uh, you know, because I couldn't speak it. So how but, do you respond when people ask you what? You. Right. So I always say Egyptian, and that's really easy. And then I just like go white. I say white and hoping they don't say ask me more things. And then they ask me more things. I was like, well, I guess probably English, but like one side of my mother's family was like colonial Boston, like mm-hmm. fought in the Revolutionary War. It's like the Harringtons. And they, uh, one of the first people to die in the Battle of Lexington and Concord. That was wow. my family. You know, there's wow, a story. really te- deep American roots. Yeah, they tell on the tour. This guy gets shot, drags himself to his home, and dies in his wife's arms. A very beautiful story. Wow. And then the other side of hers, the Dodies, was a Mayflower family. Edward Doty came on the Mayflower. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so you're like... Yeah. Old ass. Yeah, it's like old colonial shit, man. Funny story on this guy. He was the first person to, first recorded duel and uh, first person to get arrested in the New World. Those were related incidents. The New World. Uh, Yeah, exactly. That's what they say on the fucking tour in the Mayflower. (laughs) First person to get arrested in the New World. That were Doty. Can you imagine imagine the sheer arrogance to get get to a continent already populated by people and be like, it's the new world. The new world, like, yeah. there's, It's kind of already a world, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. I just find that fascinating just because my family, I mean, grant, like, obviously I have my Peruvian side, which we've talked about. The other side is all Irish. Like, both grandparents on that side uh, are immigrants. So, like, okay. I have no, almost, like, little to no roots in America. But oh. you have, like, the Egyptian side, and then the other side is, like, deep-ass yeah, I know. American it's, roots. That's and that's why it's so hard to answer that question, you know? It's because it's, like, on one side, it's, like, first-generation American. Right. The other side, it's, like, it goes it's, so far back. Yeah. I don't fucking know what they were. On one probably. side, it's first-generation American. On the other side, it's first-generation American. Know that's know a good way to put it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, hey, no, listen, exactly. this is what I do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, you're... I've been doing these interviews for a while, Alex. <laughs> You're that's, killing it. You're that's killing so it. So great. So, are you are, when when you're growing up in California? Are you growing up purely in like uh, American teenager culture? Yeah. Or are you growing up with any Egyptian influence? No Egyptian influence, really. Um, so it's like I, I grew up with almost no family. Mm. Like my 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 mother didn't really had family on like the East Coast and in Texas, but she didn't really uh, talk to her her family that much. And then my father's family was all in Egypt. Mm. Um, and were you, know. you in contact with them? No, I mean the closest like contact means like my, early in my childhood. I remember relatives visiting, uh, and uh, you know we had our relatives in New York that we would see every now and again. Uh, and then, but for the most part, it was until my dad took me to Egypt to get his mother. So I went to Egypt for the first time and only time twenty years ago, and it was uh, you know, to get my grandmother and bring her over to the. Uh, the, the, the house and you know, where you t- t- took care of her until she died mm. and she didn't speak any uh, English whatsoever and yeah. you know I was, I was actually it was funny enough I was like I, I, I hope you don't mind I, I was I how was, old are you at this point how was old was I when, when I eight years old maybe okay yeah but I remember the first time she visited uh, it really freaked me out because it's like well so it's like I'd say like the Egyptians in my family that have come over to America they've really focused on assimilating Mm. Like, my dad, his name's Samir. He doesn't even go by Samir anymore. Sam. 
just totally cuts out the, yeah, wow. the ear at the end of it, which is actually a very recent thing, funny enough. I wonder if it has to do with our current political climate, mm. although he wouldn't admit it. Uh, <laughs> I, I gave him shit for it drunkenly at a party once. I felt really bad about it. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Maybe he'll listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny. I was, I was like, my middle name is Samir. I can't shorten that. Oh, your middle name's Samir? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Alexander Samir Riyadh. Okay. Yeah. I Has know. a nice ring to it. I know. I know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, I like Alex Riyadh, though. It's, my cousin was trying to convince me to use my, uh, my middle name. Alex Samir Riyadh. Alex, I would do Alexander if I was doing the middle name. Alex Samir Riyadh sounds weird. I think it's cool. Alex Samir Riyadh? Yeah. Here's a cooler name. Alexander Armanios. What? Why? That's, where does that's that what my from? name should have been. Really? So my father, he's a Coptic Egyptian, and uh, in Egypt they're a, they're a, they're a minority. Okay. Those are the Christians that are in Egypt. Gotcha. And uh, say the a, name again. Armanios. It's uh, a Coptic okay. last name. Coptic. And the Coptic okay. language is a mix between ancient Egyptian and ancient Greek. Okay. And uh, in Egypt, you're not going to do very well in business if they know that you're Coptic. Okay. And so uh, it's, you know, it's like a very, it's like, it's just like, it screams Coptic. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, if like, if you were trying to hide if you were Irish and your last name was O'Rourke or something. Mm -hmm. And so my dad would go by his middle name, which is his father's first name, which was Riyadh. Riyadh's a very Islamic name. It's the capital of Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was going by that in business for so long. And when he moved to America, they're like, what do you want your name to be? And it's like, ah, Samir Riyadh. Wow. And he's regretted it every day since. <laughs> and I could have had a sexy fucking name if I kept our manias. What if you had to learn French? The prices we pay. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about growing up in California. Obviously, you're not... Uh, you're not being raised in like a traditional Egyptian upbringing. Yeah, no, I didn't like you learn the language, anything like that. You are a racially ambiguous looking human growing up. Like what type of town did you grow up in? What were the generals of your school? Yeah, I was, I grew up in a pretty diverse area, I think. Yeah, I was in Silicon Valley in California, Campbell, California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Adrian, Mm -hmm. that should should mean something to you. (laughs) Alex is weirdly trying to reaffirm that I saw his play that he wrote. Yeah, you're in the play that I wrote. Oh, I'm confusing it with the other one. <laughs> bo- they both take place there. I fucked up. It's like, okay. it's, I have, I've okay. been writing many plays that take place yes, in my hometown, yes, yes. and you're fucking we'll acting in one of them in December. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> we will get there. Uh, answer my fucking question. All right, all right, all right. Sorry, sorry. This is, uh, yeah, all right. So pretty diverse town. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's California, which is one of the most diverse states in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's actually like more than 50% not white mm-hmm. at this point. I think when I was growing up too, uh, so I mean it's definitely it was you know Silicon Valley, so that's the tech area. Like yeah. my mom's place is around the corner from Netflix's headquarters, or well, my mom's old place anyway. My dad's place is around the corner from eBay's headquarters. Uh, you know I have relatives that work at Apple's headquarters. My stepmother works at Cisco. Like just the tech hub, like just grew up around engineers and Christ. startups and shit like yeah, that. Yeah. But so you know you have a very big Hispanic population, you have a really big Indian population, Filipino population, mm-hmm. Vietnamese population. Yeah. I mean, it's like you name it. So, what kind there. of crowd were you running with at the time? Um, you know, I it's you well, know, I guess it depends on like what time in my life. But you know, I, I you know, yeah, we're you know, talking like you know, uh, middle school, high school years. Sure. Well, middle school, I I I, I, I guess I had a pretty diverse friend group. Well, I, I you know, I've 
couple Mexican friends, Nicaraguan. But you know, I, I'd say you know, honestly, it's like I, I was I I probably was generally the the token brown kid in a group. Really, for the most part, yeah. I mean, like most like thinking of like all the like the the friends that I like I. I thinking back on it's like they were they were all white kids. I mean, it's like I was really raised to be white, mm. which is which is something that I later in life I like kind of struggle with because mm. like my father doesn't consider himself Egyptian; he considers himself American, mm. and like raises wanted to raise me to be American, like true American. Yeah, that's interesting because my mom wasn't that way. I mean, my mom's not like the other extreme of like fuck that shit like we're Peruvian or die but like but she <laughs> but she, I think she always was like very careful to like make sure we spoke Spanish make sure we're visiting home like uh, all the fucking decor in the apartment is always Peruvian shit she served Peruvian food so it was like a conscious choice and I'm always so fascinated by why certain immigrant families make that choice to ass- uh, assimilate and why certain immigrant families don't. I think it's interesting. Yeah, you know, I've never actually asked my dad that. I don't know if you'd ever say he consciously did it. I mean, that, it's honestly like, I remember asking my dad once, like, why why, uh, why he never taught me Arabic. At first he mm-hmm. says, oh, I, I tried to teach you Arabic. And it's like, you know, when I was like nine. Yeah. I think I remember like being in a hotel room in Egypt and like, dad, can you like teach me Arabic? And he was <laughs> trying really hard. It was, I was not learning. Teach me Arabic in 10 minutes. <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> It's funny. My dad has a book called "Learn Bridge in One Hour." Learn Arabic in one hour. That would be good. That'd be pretty uh, good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was. But he was. He was like, "Well, uh, Arabic is the mother's language." <laughs> and, and are you so at the, at this point in time in high school? You so so you said you were sort of the token brown kid in a lot of. Groups. I guess. I mean, I don't think anyone thought of it that way, though. Yeah, I guess it's like well, what I was about I think to back ask. Like, what, was this something that you were conscious of at the time, or just something that thinking back on? Not conscious of at the time at gotcha. all. You know, it's just like it's it's like it's interesting. It's like you know, you have like I'd say the only the only thing my dad really kept was like probably the food, but then Egyptian food is not like not like a real thing as well. It's like I remember asking my dad like why isn't like what's like Egyptian food because it always seemed like he was making me Greek food or like Middle Eastern food mm-hmm. or like five other things. It's like well it's been conquered by so many different cultures there's no like real Egyptian food anymore. Or really? Something like that. Well yeah I mean if you look at the history I mean it's been conquered by a lot of well, different sure, things. Sure. The Mediterranean I, I don't know but it's like you know it's 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 like a mix between Mediterranean food and and a Middle Eastern food and mm-hmm. like the only things I can think of are like uh, this, this uh, bean dish called fool. Okay. Which they serve on the streets of Egypt, and then uh, this other thing called mochea, which is like this weird root soup thing that you serve with chicken. Wow, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever? I, I, you said you haven't gone very much, right? I've only gone once in my life. I'm going to go this uh, this December, though. Hey, so that's so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Is it? it how, how do you feel about having not? like encountered a lot of that culture when you were younger because it seems like you're making a contra- conscious effort to like engage with it more these days well yeah well, it's funny the whole reason i'm going in december is because i have a friend of mine in the heights our, our buddy evan mm-hmm. whose mother who te- does these educational programs in, a- in africa yeah uh she got a job in cairo and so she's living there and he keeps going there for new year's and i've been all jealous mm. that he's going <laughs> so i was like you know what i'm going this year yeah, and so uh, that's why I'm going. So like, talk to me about going for the first time. What was it like? Uh, you know, I always say it was like the, one of the most vivid memories of vacation I've ever had in my life. I still think on it, and it's like really clear to me. And it was just I was always I was always obsessed with ancient Egyptian culture, like mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah, because like that's like my roots. Yeah, like uh, and uh, the Egyptian Museum of 
Egyptian history, I'm assuming that's so maybe it's just the Egyptian museum. It's just like our I don't know. I mean shit, I was obsessed with ancient Egyptian history too, and I have zero connection. Well, it's so yet. cool being Egyptian, because you know it's like you got the your pyramids. That's like your your people, man. Like it's it's really cool. I think you know, you'll like brag about it like in the school class where you're yeah. doing the ancient Egyptian section, you know. And you know, Italian and Greek kids don't do that, you know? <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, well, Shots fired. <laughs> so are you, when do you start writing? Are you already writing at the time in, uh, in like high school years? Not theater. Uh, you know, it's funny. When I was like, when I was like six years old, I wanted to be a lawyer. And then wow. when I was in high school, I wanted to be an FBI agent. Boring ass <laughs> and, kid. I know, right? And then I wanted to be a playwright. My career prospects get less and less realistic as so I get older. Funny. So interesting. Well, I really like to argue with people. I thought I should be a lawyer. I could see it. Honestly, I, I could see it yeah. for sure. So when when do you start writing? Oh, uh, plays. Yeah. yeah, I was I always did like theater as like a hobby in high school, but I never saw it as like something that I would ever you know do as a career. Right, busy because, wanting to be in the FBI. Yes, exactly. I was gonna, I was going to be the finest hostage negotiator in all the land. <laughs> oh my god, I would shit myself <laughs> if you were a hostage negotiator. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I didn't want to like. I never want to be a position where I could hurt someone. And I was like, I'm really good at talking people. Uh, into, you know, mm-hmm. doing things. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know, that's it. I'm a persuasive guy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can convince someone not to shoot people. When did know. you start writing plays? <laughs> Sorry, Alex? I'm gonna answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> This, this is going to be the weirdest fucking this, interview of your, all of your interviews. I think, it's I think I'm butchering it right I now. I, literally everybody says that. I can't tell you how many of the guests I've had on the show, as soon as I've stopped recording, have been like, I think that was terrible. I'm so, like, you're fine. You're okay, great. all right. This it's is like you however, say the, so. This is the episode. Well, it's because we're good friends. So, yeah. like, I have more license with you to, like, yell at you to answer the question. <laughs> Whereas in other interviews, I, like, gently steer yeah, us back like, to, like, Alex, like, answer the damn question. <laughs> So Put yeah. the scotch down and answer the question. Answer the fucking question. <laughs> answer the question. When did you start writing? Like, what Okay, was, what I always this? did it as a hobby. I didn't really care about it very much because it was all fucking musicals. And I really don't like you musicals. You wrote musicals? No, I never wrote musicals. Uh, I don't like musicals at but all. But you were acting in the plays. Huh? Uh, yeah, I would act in the plays. You know? Like what kind of shows? I, uh, I, well, the, the first play I ever did was Guys and Dolls. Playing Big Julie, which okay. we'll we'll get to later Big in this Julie. conversation. Okay. Um, and famed then, uh, side character. <laughs> famed Big Julie. side character. Yeah. And then, did you like acting? Um, I liked performing. I didn't like any other part of acting. Like I hated auditioning because I'm I'm dyslexic. So like mm-hmm. sight reading is just the most nerve-wracking thing on the planet. Sure, sure. And so I'm lousy at auditioning, and I hate rehearsals as an actor. Love him as a writer. Hate him as an actor. Mm. I don't I don't have problems with authority, and it's just, you know, <laughs> you're like at the bottom of the food chain. Uh, and so, but the performance part was great. Uh, once you're on stage. Like, I get terrible stage right before. When I'm on there, I'm fine. But, okay. uh, it, but yeah, so I wasn't, um, I didn't like it that much. But then my senior year, I was in I was in drama class and they had this playwright come in from New York who actually turned out to be a, a pretty successful playwright. His name is Marcus Gardley, I think. Uh, and he just had a play at New York Theater Workshop recently. Nice. Uh, he came and taught us all how to write plays as part of this program. And like the the people who wrote the best six plays got him like uh, workshopped at um, this uh, equity house in Mountain View called Theater Works. They just won the Tony this year. For That's awesome. Regional. 
theater and I wrote a play for that and I nothing ever came more naturally to me in my life nothing ever felt so fun nothing ever really it was just it just felt like right oh this is the thing this is this is it this makes me happy that this is something moment. that I care about the yeah. click moment exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so I was like well fuck it I guess I'm not gonna go study criminology at UC Irvine I'm gonna <laughs> go to a dinky little liberal arts school in upstate New York to Right study place. English and theater, right? And place. What, what school was that? Wells College. Okay. Uh, it's uh, it's the uh, same guy found that founded Wells Fargo, American <laughs> Express. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I wear a replica of his ring, not because I'm like a Henry Wells fangirl, but that's our class ring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And actually, here's a fun thing. You actually you're you, wearing a Wells Fargo ring. No, right no, now. well, a, a Henry Wells let, ring. Let the re, you know. let the record show that Alex is wearing a ring with the Wells Fargo logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. But what, what well, you, I rode the this the, this is I rode the uh, the Wells Fargo wagon to graduation. That's wow. what we all do. They have That's, original Wells Fargo wagon. Um, you um, ride music graduation. You. I was in that. It was my second show. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, what? It's kind of a broad question, but what? What do you think about writing plays? uh, Is it that like made it click for you at that point in time? I think it was the dialogue. Uh, I mean, I was a huge movie buff. Uh, You know, it's every every Saturday morning as a kid. You know, I'd always come down and watch a different movie with my dad. And then my mom always like would turn me on to like those classic sitcoms like Mm. Mash or. Cheers or you know yeah. stuff like that. So I just grew up, I and mean, I never watched like Cartoon Network or any car- or anything like any of the kids shows when I was you a kid. I was like, like I was raised James on James Burroughs sitcom. Exactly, yeah. that was literally what I was raised on. And yeah. then also you had Seinfeld and Friends sure, and yeah, Frasier, yeah, yeah. and that was the shit I was obsessed with as a yeah. kid. And I, 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 and then you know when I got older, being obsessed with like Quentin Tarantino movies and all those like super dialogue driven films mm-hmm. that don't have these huge set pieces, but just people in a room talking. Yeah, and I and and those were always the films that I gravitated towards and I always thought theater was just musicals until I think I saw Doubt I think Doubt was like one of the oh, first yeah. plays that I saw it was like touring in San Francisco I'm like and and then also reading Arthur Miller in high school I'm like oh shit this stuff is like really powerful and it doesn't just have to be fucking people singing which I hate it <laughs> like you know it's like oh we're breaking the song for the sake apologies of apologies to all of my listeners who are musical I think they fans. probably turned this off 20 minutes ago <laughs> the first time I gave it shit I have a lot of respect for musical theater I just don't it just doesn't pull me in that's fair, that's uh, fair. but yeah so it's just the di- I, but I so I think I just I fell in love with dialogue at an early age and then when I found out that like oh plays are dialogue mm. and then I found out that maybe because of all the shit I was like sitcoms and stuff I was listening to as a kid that maybe I got an ear for dialogue because that's always the thing I can rely on my writing like mm. first time I met you yeah. when you guys had me for that fundraiser when I'm supposed to get really drunk and write a play in oh like, right yes an our, hour. this is uh, just to put it slightly in context uh, uh, our mutual friend Sean McGrath shout out Sean McGrath who will definitely listen to this oh Sean <laughs> uh, Sean McGrath runs a theater company called the Now Collective that did a fundraising event where they put a bunch of us writers in a room and got us very drunk and told us we had to write a play in like three hours or something yeah. uh, that's how we met that we that's met. the night we met that's the night we met that's crazy. I was very intimidated by you you I seemed got... really cool you were like so cool <laughs> 
And I'm like, I am just like, I, dude, I, what? I, yeah, you looked really cool. You were like, you, you you showed up late, and you were just like, you kind of this like rock star way about you. Which you know, after Jesus knowing Christ. you for a while, and it was like, also, yeah, I think the first time we worked together, you also seemed really cool. I don't know when this switch happened when Jesus you started to be this Christ. goofy dude that I. I'd really like to loved. apologize to this audience <laughs> <laughs> for what's currently happening. I remember I got really drunk that night, and I ended up writing a play. I ended up writing a play that revolved entirely around the Hoobastank song, The Reason. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's pretty good. Wasn't yours the one with the really cool fucking sunset? Was yes, that yours? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Is yes, that yes, a Hoobastank yes. song about really cool fuck? I don't even know what Hoobastank is. I have zero idea what that is. They're, no they're a 90s, I'm musically illiterate. They're like a 90s kind of grungish band uh, that everybody likes to rag on and they have this one song that's like and the reason is you and I wrote I got really drunk and for some reason had that song stuck in my head so I wrote a 15 page play based entirely around that song playing over and over again anyway sure. uh, uh, I, I can rely on my dialogue writing skills if I if someone put a gun to my head and like half right. a handle of scotch that's and says, how we got here You're, you need to write this play I can just write so, I can rely on at this point you written two plays that sort of revolve that are very heavily based on your hometown yes right? so yes. how much of your upbringing like how how is your upbringing being reflected in your work because it seems like it's a pretty like direct reflection yeah well it was for me the why i started doing that was honestly it was because of uh playwright lucy thurber uh, if you ever you have, have you seen her? Oh, dude, you should totally. Look I'm at far herself. less theater literate than you. I'm a com. I'm a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> well, she had. She's an amazing playwright. Shout out to Lucy Thurber. Shout uh, out. Uh, she uh, and I didn't know anything about her when I first moved to New York. But my first summer or second summer, I was in New York. They did five of her plays in rep uh, in the Village at. New Ohio, Rattlestick, both Cherry Lane Theaters and some other one that's right next to that cabaret mm-hmm. bar in the West Village. And uh, they're all they're called the Hilltown Plays, and they all are about her hometown in western Massachusetts. And she wrote these five plays that are that take place in her hometown, and it's it's she's sort of focusing on telling the stories of the people that she grew up with. Mm-hmm. And that was at a, and seeing all five of those plays in like a week with a huge uh, impact on me as a writer. And, I, and I, I, what she was able to do and what she was able to discover about where she's from, I thought was so powerful. Mm. And I felt like by the end of those five days that like I was from there in a way. Interesting. Uh, and I, I so wanted do you to do think that what, myself. So you think what you're doing with your work, which I, I've, I'm working on one of your, those plays and I saw the other play, uh, do you think like on some level what you're doing is investigating where you came yes, from? Yes, thousand percent. Cool, thousand percent. Cool. Is it's like what do you think you're trying to find out? Like what questions are you trying to ask? Uh, because the plays are very. I mean, granted, this is a podcast about culture. The plays don't in, really involve that. Well, much yeah. Well, you know, it's just the thing. It's background. like I. So is it, I have this. So when I first started like having to write cover letters, I, I don't. I don't write. At, I have yet to write it all about being Egyptian mm-hmm. or being Middle Eastern whatsoever. Yeah. I have like a def I have a play floating up there that I, I do I would really like to write someday and I'm probably gonna have to write it soon considering how many plays I have to write in the near future. But and and is but for the most part none of my plays have had to deal with race in any kind of way. And I actually write all of my characters uh, race blind. I never specify what mm. race any of those characters are. Is that a conscious decision? It is a conscious decision. Uh, because I... 
I mean, I I, th- I I want anyone to be able to play any of my roles. Mm-hmm. Like, even the play that we're doing together, there's yeah. two brothers, it, they don't have the same father. Like, mm-hmm. you could literally put two completely different races in those mm-hmm. roles. And I, you know, I, I think I, I, I do it consciously because I, I think want anyone to play any of these roles, but then I think subconsciously is because of being someone that's racially ambiguous. And I think it's also because of being someone that was was not raised to be the that other side of them that other race yeah. that they have and it's, it's a weird feeling right especially because so you have an experience that i don't which is that you actually look like that part of your heritage yeah uh but you weren't uh raised in that part of it so i i was raised mostly because my my dad died when i was young and he was the white one i was raised mostly in the peruvian heritage but i don't look like it at all yeah so we're kind of like opposites in a way yeah. in an interesting that way. is interesting um, but that's cool. So you you feel like you're going to be you have a play kind of yeah no dating? a thousand percent. I mean I so I saw there's this great documentary that not many people have seen, which is bullshit because it's so good. And it's called The Square, and it's about the Egyptian Revolution mm. that happened during the Arab Spring in 2010 right. 2011. Right. Uh, and it's this Egyptian American filmmaker. She embedded herself with a group of the the protesters, revolutionaries in Tahrir Square, and she, you know, just followed them around and just documented the revolution from them trying to overthrow Mubarak and then who was the original sort of dictator right. that was overthrown. And then when uh, Morsi was elected president, all the protesters overthrowing uh, Morsi, who just died in, on trial. Uh, and it is it's an incredible documentary uh, that really tries to tell the story from on what was going on on the ground. Is the way because I had family that was there during the revolution and they got the fuck out, uh, and so I've you know heard what their experiences were being there, and they uh, and the thing is the way the media portrayed that revolution, especially during the second wave of protests with Morrissey, is like really not what happened uh, because I mean they're they're trying to overthrow this dictator because they were tired of being in that dictatorship. They want democracy. It's this amazing, youthful revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, they overthrow him, and then they the old, then the, the Muslim Brotherhood, which was really the only organized political party, because they were underground, mm-hmm. not allowed. To, there were no political parties. There was no democracy. But mm-hmm. they, were not a, uh, they were an illegal organization, but they existed underground, so they come up. And then when they go to elections, they're the only organized group, so they sweep the elections. Right. Even even though that they, that's not really what the people wanted, and when you know Morsi was president, you know he's Egypt prides itself on being a very secular country, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's they they more people were on the streets wanting Morsi out than Mubarak. Yeah, but then the military took over, and now it's a military dictatorship again. So it's like you know meet the old boss. So is boss. it a is it but, a historical play of some kind? Oh, sorry, you probably should talk about the thing. Uh, yeah, you, this is actually we did, uh, this we is did Alex go on explaining a, we did uh, go on a history, history of current events in Egypt. Yeah, sorry, this is a uh, yeah really helpful. No, it, so, it's, <laughs> it genuinely is. As someone who is admittedly incredibly ignorant uh, on subjects such as this, it's very it's very illuminating. Well. When I was, I saw, my friend took me to a screening of this documentary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember watching this and I just wanted to, to jump out of my chair and like go join those protesters. Yeah. I just felt this insane drive to go there. And there is this one revolutionary they focus on who's, uh, who's, who was actually an actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was not born in Egypt. His family was exiled 
from Egypt, moved to England, grew up in England, uh, has had an amazing acting career. Did you see the Kite Runner, that movie? Yeah. He was the lead guy in the Kite Runner. He okay. played the adult version of the kid. Uh-huh. And he just abandoned his successful acting career and just joined this revolution. Mm. Never lived in Egypt, but felt the need to go there and join the protest oh, over so the that, new bar. So is that the hook? That's an interesting That's hook. the hook for me. So That's it's like, an it's, interesting hook. It's not necessarily about him, but actually, it's funny enough, he was at the screening, which was so cool, and I got to talk to him oh, afterwards. Yeah. But I watching him, I was like, I was so blown away by him, because this is a guy who probably, you and I are in the arts, we work, we're working our fucking asses are to be where we're at. You're damn right. And, you know, and he did the same thing, and, and he got it. And he abandoned it to yeah. go fight for a country that he never even lived in. It exiled his family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how insane is that? And I had the same feelings and impulses watching it. And yeah. I wanted to go there and do that. But then, like, there's the back of your head. like, Alex, you don't speak Arabic at all. I, I can curse in it really well. And right. I can tell you to turn down the volume on the TV. And that's about it. Right. And, uh, and, and I... But well, that's I, sort of the that's sort of the eternal inner conflict for people like us, I think, which is like, oh, I feel this pull towards this part of my heritage yeah. uh, that at some that at some points is so strong that I want to just get the fuck out of this country yeah. and like go be there. But at the same time, the on the other side of that conflict is like, well, can I truly claim to be part of that culture when I'm not like fully immersed and like fully feel like I can participate in it, speak the language, like know all the customs, da 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 da. Yeah. Uh, like for me, that's the constant tension. Yeah. And that's that's what I want to write about, yeah. actually. It's, so it's like... That's why I, I make this podcast. That's... Cause it, you're, you're going through your demons, too. You know, it's all we got to yeah. write about. We got to create art for what keeps us up at night. Mm. And, you know, it's that's I want to write about a brother and sister that are both half Egyptian. Mm-hmm. And the, the sister wants to go join revolution mm-hmm. and the brother who's super americanized is trying to, wants to talk her out of it yo when this play gets put up people who listen to this episode are gonna be like yo i heard him talk about that the first time <laughs> yeah well you, you heard it here first folks <laughs> oh god you're so corny you're so corny <laughs> i think we probably got three people to laugh at that Oh, God, I hope not. If any of my audience laughed at that, you're wrong. I think Adrian would like you to unsubscribe now. <laughs> no, please. Oh, please, for the love of God, subscribe. Nobody listens to the show. Please subscribe. Oh, my God. Nobody listens to the show except for my mom and Viviana Valeria, who's oh, our, well, our mutual I, friend. Yeah, I, I, was, I was listening to it today, a couple of days now. I thought it's phenomenal. That's really beautiful. Good. Thanks for work. listening, man. And Thanks. I picked the, yeah, the one random one I picked was uh, your, your friend who's Persian, who's That's also right. from Lita, California. Lita Darmian, yeah, yeah, that's like, weird. Oh. You guys do have some weird overlap. I should introduce you guys. You guys would like each other, dude. I, you know, I, I, this is the thing. I, I don't know enough Middle Eastern artists. That's the whole reason I haven't written that play. Is I don't, I don't oh, know. She, I mean, she's not Egyptian, but like, she's a killer actor. You know, at this, I'll, I'll, I'll take anything at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, actor wise, that's my, like, sure. it's like I, I, and I saw this reading of a play recently, and it was these two. It was about a, a Middle Eastern couple that on a bodega, and I was like, I want to work with you. I was like, so just drawn to like and it's like I write for my friends and I I don't know any Middle Eastern actors yeah, you're just, definitely a playwright who like has muses you like yes, write for people I definitely have muses Adrian knows many of those muses Adrian is one of those muses oh, now get the fuck out of here <laughs> 
<laughs> Get the fuck out of here. So yeah, so since we've alluded to it a couple times, let's talk a little bit about the the play that we're currently working on. Yeah, sure. And then also about the school you just got into that you're going to. Yeah, sure. So sure. let's sort of let's, let's touch on those. Let me. Where Where do you want to start, Adrian? I want to talk about the application. So you just got into Juilliard. Yes, <laughs> you just yes, got into just the got into Juilliard, Juilliard uh, Masters in Playwriting program, right? Well, it's it's actually it's not a Master's it's not program. A master's. So it's, I guess it's a fellowship. I think we're called fellows. Whatever. It's, fellows. Well, a, I don't get a degree. I don't get a degree. Okay, and it's not full time. Okay, fine. But. You're a, you're a Juilliard It's incredibly prestigious, fellow. and I'm really fucking lucky you're a to be there. Juilliard Writing Fellow, and for for me to for me knowing you personally, I think that's hilarious. It's amazing and well deserved. I also think it's hilarious. So talk to me about that application. Why do you think it's problem. hilarious? Because you're a fucking goofball. Because <laughs> you're a bologna sandwich who's going to the best writing school in the world. That's that's fair. I, I really I don't. The title think... of this episode is going to be Alex Riad is a bologna sandwich. <laughs> I don't. I've never had bologna in my life. But talk to me about the application process because you've mentioned to me offhand a couple of times. Well, that... I hate applying for things. Yeah. Why? I hate the fucking cover letters. One, I'm, I'm really lousy at writing them in general. Mm-hmm. But I, so when I first started applying for shit, I would never mention at all that I was Egyptian mm. because I don't write about it. And I think that is a really shitty thing to do is to just talk up your race if you don't write about it. Mm. Like, that's like I'm trying to, but I'm trying to use my, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it didn't feel, it feel right. It feels exploitative. It feels exploitative. Yeah. Exactly. It feels yeah. exploitative. But then like, everyone's like, you're being a real idiot by not saying that you're, you're, you're Egyptian. You know, you really should be putting that in your, in your cover letters. And then like, I started doing that and that just felt so fake and yeah. BS. And I started to talk about like, oh, how it relates to my writing and like the American dream or I don't know. These cover letters are trash. <laughs> and I've applied to things so many times. I've, addri- I've applied to Juilliard specifically for Four times mm-hmm. until I got it, and I so went, on number four you got it. Number four I got it's not it. Bad. No, yeah. It's not bad. Thank you. Yeah, it's not bad. That's twenty five percent. Yeah, you're right. Twenty five percent exactly. I'm, you know, that's a that's an okay batting average. Uh, I was about to say. Yeah, and then but I've applied to Yale like probably four times too. Brown, you know, yeah. like all I call every two years I'd apply to another MFA program. Uh, these MFA yeah programs, and I would call it my playwriting tax. Gotcha. But I hated doing the cover letters, and eventually because you, you felt kind of obligated to include like your ethnic background. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and then I I you know the le- most recent batch of cover letters became so self-effacing just people saying I'm terrible at writing cover letters and I hate doing this and I even plainly said I've applied here so many times <laughs> that's my I mean, but uh but what's cool about Juilliard's application pro- process is I found out well so I know that it was a blind submission uh but apparently they take that shit really seriously like they really only care about the play Apparently, mm. um, and they uh, they read my play, and I just got this email out of the blue one day, going like, "Hey, Sam from Juilliard, read your play. I really liked it. Can you come in for an interview on Tuesday?" Like that was that was it. Crazy. And uh, you wow. know my my resume didn't matter, my cover letter didn't matter, uh, and it was all just like just talking to this guy about theater for like an hour and like. More like almost like hour fifteen minutes or something like that. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I was like, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, was, and I was, love and I love that you have the I love that you have this play, sort of gestating in your head that seems like just from talking about the premise, 
uh, to go back to the whole like Egyptian American uh, brother and sister premise. Yeah. Uh, I love that you have this idea that is addressing. It's not. It's not like you're writing a play that's like I am Egyptian. Here's the Egyptian experience. You're yeah. writing a play that that reflects the genuine uh, cultural conflict that you have going on with you. Like yeah. you're, you're writing it honestly. Uh, yeah. and I think that's a unique perspective. That that like that's one of the commonalities from everybody that I've had on the show. Is that, I mean I've heard a couple of people use the term third culture, which I'm hmm. almost definitely gonna. Dude, right. that's great. Is I'm, that is that like a technical thing? It's a it's a term I've seen written. A, I've been reading a, a bunch on this topic, and I've seen it written a couple times. I'm definitely going to butcher it, but more or less, like people who are third culture are, I think, are people like us, which are we were. What happens when you were raised in two or more cultures, but you're being raised in America, so you're being raised by these multiple cultures, and you just having to be here in this country de facto sort of merge all of those into your own third culture. Yeah. Like I was raised in the Peruvian and the like Irish American uh, uh, arena in which case, so I have this, uh, my own third culture quote unquote, which is a, an, an amalgamation of those two. Yeah. Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I wonder what my third culture is. Well, I, I think I mean, that's why you got to write the play. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I guess culture didn't matter mm-hmm. in a way. Like, I'm thinking on it. Like, I I had a really happy childhood, and I I I love both my parents. They're both amazing people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember them together at all. They got divorced when I was really young, but mm-hmm. they like owned a business with each other my entire life up until like college, and they're both in my life. And like you know, they, I say the things like, "Oh, my father didn't raise me with any kind of culture," but like both my parents raised me with like a really good moral code, and like you know, friends are like family and all of that stuff, and like. But it's, like, I guess they didn't really, I never, like, thought about, I don't know if I really well, thought yeah, about culture. Until I mean, it like, makes, of course, I mean, it makes sense, especially if your dad, who's the Egyptian one, was, like, was the assimilator yeah. parent. There's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with no, that. No, he's a really happy guy. He's a really great guy. and Everyone loves him. Yeah. I mean, he's a, yeah. uh, It's just interesting because, I mean, I, I haven't had the experience of having, like, a parent who really focused on assimilating. Um, but I think if I, if I had, I mean, I already even... Even the way my mom raised me, which was like she preserved a lot of the Peruvian culture. I still, my sister and I talk about this a lot. I still have constant what if thoughts, Mm. like constant what ifs of like, what if I was born there? What if I lived there for a few years? Like how different would Mm. I be? Like what kind of person would I be uh, if I was actually raised in that culture? Like I have constantly have thoughts like that. Do you ever have thoughts like that? Um. You know, I I, uh, I I always go like, what if I spoke Arabic? <laughs> like, that would no, be yeah, fucking that's, great. I mean, I constantly you know? think, what if I my I, Spanish was better? Yeah, because I hate like whenever I'm like in a I'm in like a I, I meet someone who's who's Middle Eastern, and I can I can generally tell if someone's Middle Eastern, you know, either based on accent and the language and all that stuff. It's even a, I can pick out Egyptian generally pretty well. Mm. And I'll be like, you, I'll be I want to say like, oh, are you are you are you Middle Eastern? Are you Egyptian? Oh yeah, me too. My dad's from Cairo, and they start speaking to me in Arabic, and it's like. Like I don't speak any Arabic. I, I can, yeah, I got nothing. I can curse. It's like it can, not even Shwaya, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, why don't you speak Arabic? And I hate it so much. Like I really wish I could converse with these people in that right. language. And I'm like petrified about going to Egypt in December, not speaking a word. I have the you same know? feeling like, every time I go to Peru. I mean, I speak. Well, you speak Spanish really well. It's I your speak, first language, right? I speak Spanish well. It's my first language, but it's still it's I, the not looking. It, it's not very good. My Spanish isn't 
but it's by no means perfect. By no means. I'm perfect. sure you can get around. I can get around, but it's still it's the, that feeling that like that fraud fear of like oh people are gonna look at me and be like you're not really blah 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 you're not really this you're not really that is like very it's very present especially when i go there regardless of how well i speak spanish which is not that well to you i speak spanish incredibly because you know zero spanish perfect perfect (laughs) you speak more spanish than i speak arabic i can say like uh yes la no m she go away talahana come here wati shwaya turn down the volume on the tv okay it's for my grandmother. Turn she, down the volume on the TV. That's so cute. <laughs> she uh, always blast the Egyptian channel. That's what my dad taught me to say to her. She didn't speak any uh, English. And, you know, it's actually, I, I thought of this really shameful memory yesterday. Okay. Of being a little kid. And it was the first time my grandmother visited me. I think, and I was thinking on it. And that was, and it probably is this, like, not realizing that, like, I'm from a different culture mm-hmm. when I was a little kid. Yeah. That my grandmother visited, and she I never met her until I was like five or six or something like that. She's like in Egypt, and she didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. And it freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> it freaked me out. And, and I just, what, you'd never met no someone concept. who didn't speak English? No, fuck you. No, it was just like, it was, no, it was, I'm, like, I'm from California. There's plenty of people who don't speak English. But it's... It was just this, there was this woman in my family and, and that I didn't know who was an elderly woman and she didn't, and, and I, and she didn't, didn't seem like, I don't know what it was, but I just was so scared and I was like, and it was, uh, and she was just trying to be so nice to me and I was just like this little shit kid that just didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, I was the same way. I don't know way. why I was in that I was position. The same. My abuela used to come live with us for whole summers and I was such a dick to her. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just like, who are you? Like, yeah. You came here, you don't speak English and you're bossing me around. God, so like, we're such racist little pieces of shit when we're five, aren't we? <laughs> it's not that you're racist, it's that it's, it's like you said, it's just an authority figure who's coming here from She's another country. She's just trying to, like, love me, or, man. And it's just, like, I think back <laughs> on it. Like, it's re- really shameful. I just like this memory in my bed. Like I know the feeling. You know, it's just like, fuck. And I was like, is that just because that wasn't part of my upbringing? That well, I was in a situation yeah, you where didn't I was know like what to, that? You didn't know what to do with it. You didn't have the, the framework to, like, to be able to empathize with this woman who couldn't even speak a word of your language. Yeah, and she like really loved and cared about me. She's, you know, it's just I mean, she was she was she wasn't the easiest woman on the planet, but you know, it's like my family in Egypt you're either rich or you're poor. There's like no in between in the middle class. It's that's kind of the same thing. way here. Yeah. It's kind of the no, same yeah, way here. Oh yeah, these days especially, right? <laughs> so it's like that's actually one of the things why I'm grateful I did I grew up here mm. because like I think if I grew up in Egypt I'd probably be very spoiled. Mm. Uh like, you know, like the family over there. There's like drivers or some shit, and I just wow. remember like I remember like going to Egypt when I was a little kid, and this is another image I don't I don't I remember really strongly is being in this this car, this, you know, being driven around my dad, and there's just so many people begging on the streets, mm-hmm. and there's so many little kids begging on the street, and I like see a kid my age like coming up to the car like wanting money, mm-hmm. and like that was. That it's just it's just embedded in my brain. Cause, you know, I never really saw that shit in California. Yeah. You know, it's a culture shock for sure. You know, it's just like night and day stuff. But like the family out there, they like they can be pretty extravagant. Man, they love their labels. Man, they mm. like they got their Ralph Lauren polo, like the horses, the whole fucking <laughs> really? shirt. Yeah, it's really, like, okay. huge fans of that. <laughs> 
I remember I was blown away that like you could order anything you wanted. Like you could get KFC delivered at four o'clock in the morning. That was the coolest thing. When I was in Egypt, you all could, I was eating we're was in like New York City right now. Hey, we this is nineteen ninety eight. All right, this is uh, you know there was no seamless or Uber Eats. I'll have you know, sir. <laughs> I mean, the okay, whole time okay. I just ate Pizza Hut and KFC. Okay. Was, that's my, all my Egyptian relatives. That's all your vibe. Like, oh, you want Pizza Hut and KFC? We'll order it for you. My parents are like that shit food. You're so not going to eat that in America, but in Egypt. Oh, this is good. Sorry. The my first TJI Fridays. <laughs> I always wanted Egypt? was in Egypt on the Nile River. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really engaging with your heritage. Yeah, I know, Alex. right? So that's why when I I'm, when I go back this December, I'm making it right. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. have fool from the streets and you okay. know, pita bread. All right. Yeah, that's the... so let's because uh, we're, we're oh, sorry we're running kind of short <laughs> so, on time. Did you want to talk about gears. that play? Yeah, we never talked about the play. I want yeah I want to talk about parents. Let's talk okay. about parents. What do you want to talk about? Because uh, like we're sort of in the plugs section of the okay, show. Okay, sure. So just tell just for our listening audience who are. Again, mostly my mom's friends. Hi, my mom's friends. Hey, you should be very proud of Adrian. I want you to know oh, that. Oh, God, shut up. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about uh, Paris, about the play. Uh, you don't feel an obligation to give us a full synopsis. Just like tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I um, so I it's 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 part of these series of plays I'm writing about where my hometown is. Mm-hmm. And like the first play in that series was called The Floor is Lava, and it was about, you know, tech startup. Great you know. play. I saw oh, it. Thank uh, you. At La Mama a oh, couple months you. back. It was yeah, it was uh yeah, it was a it was a really good production, you know. My our, our boy John Domino really crushed it in That's that. Right. Shout out to John Domino. John Domino. Yeah, he's gonna be in Parrots as well. Uh but that play is about the successful people before I grew up. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends that work in the tech industry back home and mm-hmm. like and uh but whereas Parrots, Wild Parrots of Campbell is about the unsuccessful people from right. where I So grew the up. first play, just because we we're, we're talking because oh, sure. we know each other, the first play in the series is The Floor is Lava, which is the one about uh, sort of the more successful breed tech startup employees. The second one is Wild Parrots of Campbell. Yes, gotcha. And that's sort of the spiritual sequel, uh, and it's uh, it's it's so it's about you know the people that that still live there that are from there, but aren't part of the those those industries mm. that have these sort of dead end jobs and this this place specifically is about these friends that live in this how uh, this house that their friend slash landlord owns and they have this kind of like idyllic slacker existence that mm. gets thrown out of whack when the friend slash landlord invites this girl met online to move in and it fucks up the friendships and it digs up all this familial trauma and you know, it's your it's your standard uh, backyard play <laughs> with a bunch of parrots in the backyard. Yeah, there's a lot of parrots. <laughs> there's, there's a lot there's of parrots literal in parrots this in this play, uh, and uh, no parrot costumes yet. Uh, you know, we could that could be maybe we'll pull that in rehearsals. <laughs> so, what would you? I guess like what? Go, just going back to a while ago, we were like, what questions are you trying to ask about your hometown when you're writing this play? Like, what questions do you think that parrots is asking? Uh, yeah, I mean, I started writing the play. When because you know, every play, everything you write, it's gotta, it's in order for it to have a soul, it, you gotta write what's about what's keeping you up at night. It's one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. And, and uh, if you don't have that tapped into the play, then you shouldn't bother writing the play. Uh, and when I started writing that play, you know, I just lost my job at this really shitty screenwriting school that I legally don't think I can mention on this. So <laughs> I only got paid a lot of money not to say anything bad about this place. <laughs> 
wow, I have guesses, but maybe after we stop recording. The TV writing teachers are amazing. Uh, and that's not sarcasm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so the... Um, the uh, yeah, so I, I lost that job, and I, so I was unemployed at home, and I wasn't feeling very good about my writing at the time either, and I just felt like a total loser. And I started to sort of write about like, well, God, what would it be like if I just like moved back home and like lived at a buddy's place mm-hmm. and just did nothing but like drink beer all day and scotch and just like just just have this do I mean it's like I it was I just felt like I was at a, at a rock bottom in a lot of ways mm. just feeling like a total loser and I just like was trying to write about that and I was trying to be like if like if I don't like make it as a as a writer or in theater or anything like that like how do I move forward from that and then like I was also in like an amazing relationship with someone at the time too but I also like have a lot of uh issues personally and uh, <laughs> and I'm, uh, oh my god <laughs> keep going but yeah i mean it's like i was dating a Don't truly i was dating a truly amazing person and but i have this problem that once that person starts liking me back i uh, immediately i'm like oh there's, there's there's something wrong here like you know what what i can't i can't deal with this whole person loving me thing that that that's that's fucking crazy damn we got real candid with this yeah okay. i did man. no is that what you're supposed to do on these yeah of course podcasts? of course <laughs> and of course so, and so i was writing a lot about that too because that plays very much about a new relationship as well right. and like those feelings of self-doubt and how you work through them and mm. what it you know how that the idea is like you can't love someone you can't and if you're not taking if you're not trying to take care of your own problems right and that you know you can also just keep putting band-aid after band-aid on all of your issues but and maybe use people as these band-aids and i think this play is very much about people people that use other people to like put band-aids on their problems without human actually band-aids. dealing with them. Human band-aids. Some rename real the play. The lands rename the play Human Band-Aids. <laughs> yeah, Leatherface will make an appearance. It'll be great. Yeah, no, I mean, for me, uh, personally, without getting into any specifics, because I don't want to. Uh, Get into specifics. Tell them about the play. It's fine. Oh no! I was talking about personal specifics. Oh sure. <laughs> yeah, oh okay. Uh, but I, I was. I, I, what I'm trying to say is, like, to me, that's a heavily relatable uh, theme. Uh, the the idea of. I mean, it's it's a cliche for a reason. Of like, you can't love someone. You can't let someone love you unless you love yourself. Yeah. Uh, you have to do work on yourself in order for any relationship to work. I think that's a really, really strong theme in the play, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how much the hometown plays into that sort of stuff. You know, it's like, I always just want the setting to be a character, because I think it makes things richer, and I think it informs like who the, these characters are. You're also writing what you know, which yeah. makes a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. No, the best thing I ever learned was, like, make your plays have a very specific setting. Like, mm-hmm. my first plays were always, like, I made it nondescript. Like, I want it to be set anywhere so people will produce I it. How a, stupid I, is I that, I wrote right? a couple of those in college. Right? Yeah, yeah. I wrote a couple of those in Nondescript college. town could be anywhere. Yeah, and then, so like, funny. I had a writing teacher was like, shut the fuck up. Set, put the setting. It's going to be shit if you don't. And so now I'm, like, very oh my hyper. God. So are we allowed to, like, plug what we're doing with the play or not? Yeah, of course we are. Why wouldn't we be able? I mean, didn't I like, don't know what the status of anything is. I dude. think they're so like I'm gonna let, I'm no, gonna let you fine. take the lead. It's I'm fine. Let you Sean can yell at me. Great. I mean, we can plug other yeah, stuff so, too. We can plug. Other no, things. tell the people about what we're doing. Okay, so this play is being produced by that which company, what's, what's the name of the play again? The Wild Parrots of Campbell mm-hmm. is gonna be at is gonna be at the Cherry Lane Theater. Mm-hmm. 
first three weeks of December, this December 2019. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this in 2020, I'm sorry you missed your chance. Um, But... uh, Uh-huh. I thought your job supposed to be plugging this. Isn't that what the host is supposed to be doing? No. No, of course not. I bring on guests and they plug their shit. All right, fair. All right. Maybe that maybe that's just Letterman. I don't know. Uh but uh Yeah, I'm not running a Letterman like <laughs> show. Uh yeah, so it's so gonna, it's gonna, be, it's it's gonna be at the Cherry Lane in December. Produced by Now Collective, that amazing theater company you brought up early, which is the theater company that brought Adrian and I together. That's right. That's right. And I'm really excited, man. Adrian's playing the part of Kevin. It's gonna be great. He's really, he's really good in it. He has a really good joke about dolphins that I won't ruin. For yeah, don't ruin it. Don't but ruin it, that it, for it anyone. Is, it is the greatest laugh line, of, uh, I think. In that, Look in at you, play. big up in your own writing. I love. No, that. I think it's the best laugh line in that play. Not uh, of all plays. Mm-hmm. Like in that play, that's my favorite. I think that's the best laugh it's line, a good uh, except one. when it was read that's at the actor studio. None, of, no one laughed at that line. It's <laughs> 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 like I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> Know your audience. Know your yeah, audience. But, okay. I mean, well, but before plugging stuff, can I plug other stuff? Yeah, plug anything you want. Well, I just had that web series come out. Go for it, Big Julie. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, the web series. Yeah, yeah. It came out on Monday. What am I doing here? Uh-huh. You know, I, I, we did that. I did that in collaboration with our with our mutual good friend, Molly Collier. Shout out to Shout Molly out Collier. Shout out to Molly Collier. What, what? How do I, what, what? Can we edit that out? You're Absolutely not editing that not. out. There's zero chance I'm editing that out. I'm zero chance. Like I said, you're a bologna sandwich. You're the one who said bologna sandwich. I've never had bologna a day in my I'm life. I'm really good at coining nicknames for you, Alex. Yeah, yeah. The Big Julie, which is I'm not thing I'm ever watching. Big Julie away has from stuck. That. Big Julie has stuck. Yeah, Big Julie. That's what they they all. all oh my god, this one has too many inside jokes in it. <laughs> this shit. one has too many inside. Do we jokes need to re-record this? So you have, web, you have a web web series called What Am I Doing Here? What am I doing? With Molly Collier that just came out on the internet. Right? Yes, yes. It's uh, it's about all the uh, shitty day jobs artists do in New York mm-hmm. while they're to pay their rent while they're pursuing their mm-hmm. careers, and it follows one actress who's played by Molly Collier, mm-hmm. as uh, and every episode focuses on a different shitty day job she has. Uh, Highly relatable content. Exactly right. That's what everyone says. Everyone's got a shitty day job they can tell us about. Mm-hmm. I have working at a shitty screenwriting studio that I can't name. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, I do many, many things. Yeah. Too many to even mention. Exactly. So you know, we so you, we should talk to you when we're right in the next season. Uh, but yeah, so it's like uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it just premiered on Monday, uh, and you, it's on YouTube. If you search "What am I doing here?" series on YouTube, it actually pops up right at the top. It's yeah, nice. that's beautiful. Yeah, I didn't have to pay for that either. That was like kind of nice. <laughs> Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a cool show. We got friends in it, you know. I don't think you're you're not you're not in it though. No, that was before I knew you guys. Yeah. Sean's in it. I know, I know. I saw. Yeah, this it. is I so to, inside joking. I went we to should. the premiere. <laughs> oh, I've been trying to end this for a while. Alex. I know you. Have. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm very, I'm very gregarious. <laughs> uh, Alex, is there anything else you'd like to say before we before we sign off? Like um, like Fraser. Uh. uh I have this. I have this intense need to say that I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? Where do you think that comes from? Where does that come from? Well, you know, there's this. There's. The, I don't know if you ever heard, but Egyptian guilt is pretty strong. 
It, it, it is. It is one of the most like you don't. You don't ever need to tell an Egyptian they did something. But if you tell an Egyptian something, an Egyptian they did something wrong once, man, try saying that five times fast, and they're just. It's just gonna sit with them for years. Mm. It, it's. It, it's. Uh, wow. I still feel guilty about things that I did fifteen years ago. That Here's what I was really saying. I don't think you've done anything wrong. I think this has been a wonderful episode um, <laughs> that maybe got a little inside baseball at a couple of points, but I think you know people are going to be forgiving of that because there were some real insightful moments. In oh, here. cool. Well, I, Adrian, I. I'm really honored to be on the show. I'm, 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 but I'm glad we're wrapping it up because it is insanely hot in my apartment. It's we so can't hot. The AC. It's I, so I, hot I look like here. my, 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 my. I think I'm my, dying. Yeah, I'm, I'm I have dying. this giant. All right, let's get the of, fuck out. Yeah, of here. should we let's, not talk about our sweat stains? Let's That's get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Alex. Hey, Alex, uh, say something funny. Uh. What? That's like I'm not. A, I, that's not my thing. I'm not one of your comedians. I'm not like some fucking monkey. Well, that one you of your tell. comedians. Jesus. Well, before we get out here, you're like, oh, well, this show's mostly comedians generally, and I was, I was like, well, what am I doing here? Oh, <laughs> uh, what am I doing here this year? Oh, hey, there we go. Go watch it on YouTube. Okay, uh, goodbye, Alex. Campbell. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of La Mezcla. Thank you so much to Alex, a.k.a. Big Julie Riyadh, for coming in. Thank you to anybody who's listening to this. Uh, thank you to my shitty uh, MacBook for continuing to bear the burden of editing these things, even though it's literally falling apart before my eyes. Um, seriously, thank you to anybody who follows the show. Please uh, spread the word. Uh, I'm going to start an email list soon. I'm going to... I'm making moves with this show, so uh, please look out for those and write reviews and subscribe and validate me and whatnot. Follow me on Instagram at adrian.burke, whatever, whatever you got to do. This is, uh, this is some weird promo that I'm doing, and now I'm doing this bit, and I'm just gonna... I'm just going to let this be the end of the episode because I really want to go to sleep and it's really late. Uh, I hope you're having a great week and goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.